Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. Join us as we journey together through the book of 1 Peter in our current series entitled Living Hope. We pray that this message will encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Amen. Well, as you're seated this morning, I just want to say again how grateful we are. That's not just lip service. We really are grateful that you would join us here um, in the room, in person, or on Facebook, or on one of our streaming things later on, our podcast. Um, We're just delighted that you would be here with us, however you're worshiping with us, however you're joining us today. Um, If you've snuck in and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it is the joy of my life, honestly, to be able to serve uh, this church in that capacity. Love you guys so much. Uh, if you haven't been here with us, or maybe even if you have, we're going to continue our little journey through First Peter. We've made it to chapter four. That's a big deal. <laughs> we were in chapter one for like 17 weeks, it felt like, uh, but we are in chapter four. And um, while you find that, allow me uh, to introduce my daughter, Staley Rowe. Staley, you want to come up here? Come up here, sweetie. Come up here, baby. Is your dress tucked into your pants? Okay, that's great. That's awesome. All right. So we just got done singing Staley's favorite song, and um, I think my wife forgot about her, so see. There she is. So, Staley, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Pepperoni. Pepperoni, yeah. So she is at the age right now. Go back to mommy. Go back to mommy. Give her a hand. Isn't she awesome? She is at the age right now, um, she is three and a half, and she's at the age where her vocabulary and her memory are quite impressive. How many of you guys know that's terrifying as a parent? When your kids hear everything, repeat everything, and remember everything, don't believe everything she says about me, okay? Um, but she's got quite the vocabulary, and she says a lot of really awesome stuff. Uh, a couple of days ago, she said something about somebody being a boss or something, and I said, Staley, uh, you know, or no, Brooke said that her Olsen, our son, has three bosses, right? Me and her and then Staley. And Staley said, I'm not a boss. And she said, you're not? And she said, no, I'm not a boss. I'm a child. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. Let's keep it that way, you know? Um, but, you know, she says some stuff that's, like, impressive, and then other things she says are just too cute to correct. You know what I mean? Um, we, we, this week, I was hoping maybe she would say it. She said pepperoni. But um, earlier this week, we said, uh, hey, you know, uh, we're having pizza tonight. And she said, is it from Fod Goddard's? And um, I said, no, it's not from Fod Goddard's, you know. But, but another thing that she says nearly every day, this is, this is kind of her, her thing. She says, um, she says, laster day. And she says, last her time. So anything that happened in the past, you know, yesterday or last week or whatever, it's, it's hey, remember last day when, you know, my friend came over? Remember last day we had fog goddards, you know, or whatever it is? And, uh, and so today, man, if, you're, if you ever want to be a preacher, I highly recommend having children. That's where you get all your material from. Um, but I want to talk about last days. I want to talk about uh, yesterday's today and, and tomorrow's. It's a popular saying um, that today is yesterday's tomorrow, right? That's a common thing. Right? Today is daily translation. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. Here's the problem uh, that we face and that Peter is going to address for us today in chapter 4. You and I, sad as it may seem, are running out of tomorrows. We are running out of tomorrows. It's a humbling thought that 
no matter how much time we have left, and some of us are young and we may have a lot of tomorrows left, no matter how much time we have left, we have less left today than we had last day, right? We are running out of tomorrows. I saw a thing this week that said, um, no matter how old you are, the number of people on the planet that are older than you only gets smaller every day. Isn't that a great comforting thought, right? There's, nobody, there's no new people showing up that are older than you. Everybody that's older than you, that number is getting smaller all the time. And so we realized this morning that life is precious, that we are running out of tomorrow. Some of you guys are sending your kids off to college this week or sending them off pretty soon to, to school for the first time or school for the last time, and you realize how precious time is. We are running out of tomorrows, and the older we get, the more we realize how fast time really flies. And, and listen, it's all, it's all subjective, right? Like I'm 35, and, and some of you in this room are at an age where you think 35 is old, Right? I remember thinking that. And some of you are like, 35, like you're still a whippersnapper, right? Like you are, and some of you are like, oh, I long to be young and I wish I was 60 again, right? Because you're 80 years old or whatever. It's always, it's always just depending on the season that you're in, but whatever season it is, you just realize that time is precious. You realize that, that time is flying by. And yet the problem is we live like we have plenty of tomorrows, don't we? We live, it's so hard to live life with a sense of urgency. It's so hard to wake up and live like tomorrow is the last tomorrow you have. It's so much easier to put things off and to procrastinate. Do we have any procrastinators? Should I say that, do we have any fellow procrastinators in the house, right? I like to say I'm better under pressure. That's what I like to say. But the truth is, I procrastinate a lot of times. And uh, you maybe you've seen the, the, the famous slogan on a t-shirt or something, procrastinators unite tomorrow, right? Like that's just how, how we live. We, we bank on this idea that we have limitless time, that we have plenty of time. There's an old joke. Um, actually, in the last couple of weeks, I've heard two different preachers tell it, and so we're just going to make it three, and it's not original, right? But there's an old, old joke that says uh, there's a guy, and he was checking his answering machine. Some of you don't know what an answering machine is. There's a guy that was checking his voicemail or his Snapchat or whatever, right? And he had a message from his doctor. And he was like, oh man, doc never calls me. I better call him back. So he quickly returned the call. And the doc said, hey, um, thank you for calling me. This is quite serious. And he's like, okay, what's, what's going on? He said, well, I've looked over your reports and, and um, I have good news and I have bad news. And he said, well, what's the good news? And the doctor said, well, the good news is um, you have 24 hours to live. And he's like, wow, that's... That's the good news? That doesn't sound very good. What, what could the bad news possibly be? He said, well, the bad news is I tried to call you yesterday. Her, 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 right. Uh, chapter four, we're looking at chapter four. Hopefully you found it. The first six verses we're not going to dive into today because they're, uh, they're kind of review. Peter has already taught us in this series that we've called Living Hope that the old us, we've been born again to a living hope. There's a new us and an old us, right? If you're a Christian, there's a new birth, there's a new you. And so the old you was crucified with Christ. The old you is dead, along with, hopefully, all of your old ways of thinking and living and doing whatever you felt like. And, and how many know that's a daily choice? We have to die daily, right? We have to put that old self to death every day. And there are going to be people in your life that have not experienced that new birth. And so they don't understand, they don't, they don't like, they question, they criticize, they may even hate 
the new you as they continue to be the old them. And Peter would say to us, listen, hey, you don't, you don't have to worry about that so much. Don't, don't worry as much about what they think of you. They're going to give an account before God. They're going to stand before the judge the same way that you will. But you just worry about the way that you live. And actually, the rest of the letter has gone on to say, and, and by doing so, by living a great life, by living for Jesus, some people are, that are going to question you and criticize you are going to watch you long enough and intently enough that they're actually going to lean in and they're going to take a step towards God themselves because of the, the, the hope that you have in the way that the way that you live verse 7 through 11 somebody say 711 I suddenly crave a slurpee I don't know why but seven verses 7 through 11 we are going to focus there this morning and I can't believe I'm saying this but in this series through first Peter after today we have two Sundays left in first Peter and we're going to finish first Peter you made it you did it you stuck with us. I'm proud of you. Some of you are like, it's my first day. You made it, all right? Good job. Here's what we're looking at. Verse 7. If you don't have it on your phone or on your Bible, it's on the screen behind me. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, everybody say All. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, it was last year during quarantine that I decided for the first time to just let it go and try to grow a beard. It's not a very good beard, but I've never had a beard. I finally kind of just let it happen. And so verse 8 here, you see that love covers a multitude of sins. The reason that I have a beard is because a beard covers a multitude of chins. And that's the reason that I have one. So anyway, sorry, babe. Uh, moving on. If y'all don't know this, after church, I hear about which jokes I shouldn't have told and which ones I shouldn't have, you know. Um, my wife is my accountability partner there. So verse 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Anybody else feel the tension of verse 7? The end of all things is at hand. The end is near. Peter wrote that 2,000 years ago. Anybody just feel like, really? I thought the end was supposed to happen. Some of us, man, we would like it to happen, right? Jesus, just come back. This is too much. This life is too much. 2020 was too much. I'm just ready for it to be over with. And some of you are like, no, I have plans. I have things to do. I was going to get a six-pack of abs, you know, before Jesus came back. I got things, I got things to work on, right? The end of all things is near. It's difficult to wrap our heads around makes it hard for us to live out that truth. And yet we understand Jesus has came once. We had the first coming of Christ, and he is coming again. Jesus is coming again, and the last days could really be at any time, 
right? The last days, that's what we're living in. The time between his first coming and his second coming, those are the last days. And so tomorrow is uncertain, not just for our individual mortality, and we know life is precious, we know crazy things happen, but really for our whole planet, tomorrow is not promised. We are running out of tomorrows. And so Peter would say to us, not to live with fear or paranoia or obsession over predicting when the end is, but to live with a certain anticipation that Jesus will come again, and it could be in our lifetime, and it could be tomorrow, and it could be today. And so he speaks to us all these years later, and I think Peter would say to us, look, it's not your job to try to figure out when Jesus is coming back and try to figure out when that day will be. It is your job to ask yourself, how would you live if you knew when it was, and then to turn around and try to live that way now, even though we do not know. You know, I read a lot of uh, theology, a lot of great theologians. You might be familiar with the great theologian Tim McGraw. Um, (laughs) But he had the song, right, that said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying, right? Peter lived like a dead man. Peter lived like he was dying. Now, certainly, we we covered in the first week of this series his life and all the mistakes he made and all those things, but when he writes these words to the church a couple thousand years ago, he was a new man following Jesus, and he understood he lived with an urgency that his Lord could come back any day, and he encouraged a church that was suffering to hold on and to live urgently. And so we're going to look today at the advice that he gives us, and I think it's, it's advice for us right where we are through Peter, through the Holy Spirit, right to us in 2021. First, in verse 7, we see this emphasis on prayer. And so if we are indeed running out of tomorrows, Peter says we should pray like it. We should pray like it. The end is near, therefore be sober-minded, be alert, pay attention, pray, right, for the sake of your prayers, he says. And he says, look, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. That follows the verses about how we used to live and how the Gentiles in some ways still were living, right? In other words, your old life, you were out of control. You weren't thinking clearly. You were not sober-minded. You were not self-controlled. But now, so that your prayers won't be hindered, now so you can be close to God and hear the voice of God. Make sure you, you got your head on straight, right? And I can't help but think of Peter's experience in the garden. Jesus, here he is on the night of, of his betrayal. He's up, he's, he's sweating, he's, he's, he's struggling, he's praying, and he's like asking his friends, asking his disciples, can you guys stay up with me? Can you wait with me? Can you watch and pray? And they're falling asleep. And he says, can you not, can you not keep watch with me for one hour? You know, and Peter was not able to do so then. But Peter says to us, look, I didn't watch and pray then. I wasn't alert then, but I am now. You, you got to, listen, if the end is near, you got to pray like it, Peter says. There's a study that said that the average Christian prays 45 seconds a day, usually before a meal. I did the math in my calculator because I'm not very good at math. That's about four and a half hours a year. And that's, that's the average Christian. How many know some of us are below average, right? Half of the whole population is below average, right? And so if, if that's where we're at, man, that's a problem, isn't it? Four and a half hours a year in prayer, 45 seconds a day, and yet, pastor, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know God's will. 
I just don't feel God's presence at this church. I, I don't see revival happening. I just don't see, I don't feel it. Well, we pray 45 seconds a day, right? And, and, and listen, I, I'm talking to me too. This is a problem in my life. It's just so easy to just put it on autopilot and put it in cruise control and just, and just live. And, and certainly with an awareness of God and praying at, at, at times, but not taking prayer very seriously. And yet we wonder why, man, why does God feel elusive? Why does it seem hard to, to get into his presence? Peter says, Pray like you're running out of tomorrow. If you knew tomorrow was it, how many of y'all would pray? <laughs> if you knew, man, we got a year left, how many of you would pray a little differently? And so Peter says, listen, Jesus is going to return, and until he does, we have a mission, and that mission is urgent, and you can't fulfill it in your own strength, so you need to pray, and you don't want to go back to your old thinking and your old living. It's going to hinder your, your life, your effectiveness, your prayers, and so you're going to need focus. You're going to need urgency that only comes through prayer. If I'm honest with you this morning, of all the spiritual disciplines, I think I struggle the most with prayer. I, I, you're not going to believe this. I might even get more excited about fasting than just prayer because at least I can like see some results. I feel something. It, it is hard to discipline myself to pray. And some of y'all are like, this is the pastor. This is probably not good, right? But I'll just be honest. Like I would, if you gave me the choice, hey, go in this room and pray for an hour or go in this room and study your Bible for an hour. I choose Bible every time. I love the word of God. I love looking at it. I'm not instinctively, some of you are. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. That's what you do. I need to find out who you are and put you to work, okay? But it's not second nature for me. How many of you guys would say, hey, you know what? When I'm desperate, I pray. Like when I'm, something bad's going on, I get a bad call, I get, you know, or I, I look down and I go, I don't know how long that low fuel light's been on. And I pray, Right? It's easy to pray in times where you really feel like you need it. And, and you know, in my house, like, we pray over meals, and we pray at bedtime, and, and we pray when the bears play, and we, you know, we just, we pray at times. But if we're talking about dedicated, focused, individual time in prayer, this is an area that I have to grow in a lot, and I'm trying to. And so right now in this season in my life, I'm trying to both be more rigid, more planned, and more spontaneous and random. And prayer. And here's what I mean. I'm trying to like set aside time to pray and be focused and turn my phone off and, and like really pray. But then I'm also trying to be like, hey, when somebody is talking to me, just stop and pray for them. You know, when something's going on, just stop and pray. Just pray right then. And and my wife is better at that than I am. But so that is a in in, in way of announcement. I want to invite you to join me as I try to grow in prayer uh, during the week, Monday through Friday. We're kicking off today a little 21 days of prayer focus. We've done this before. Uh, we didn't do it during some of the social distancing and different things like that, but we have this 21-day emphasis on prayer, and so we're going to have the church open for an hour um, throughout the week, uh, different, de different days, different times. And so um, we, we kind of asked a few people, hey, when could you pray? Normally, we set one time. We're like, it's 6 a.m., and, uh, and then we just go for three weeks. But how many are not 6 a.m. people? Anybody? Okay, so like we still wanted you to be able to, to participate. And so instead of a confusing, like Monday is this time, Tuesday is this time, we're just going to do a week at a time. So starting tomorrow night, uh, this whole week, Monday through Friday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Next week, 
we're going to go to 6 a.m. for the early birds. And then the following week, we're going to go to 5 p.m. for those of you that want to pray before dinner, okay? And so we've got a, little, a few different options. If you're like, I can only make one of those work, awesome. You've got five times that week you can come and pray with us, and I'm trusting you'll grow uh, as, as I grow and we grow. Uh, but maybe you can make it here a few different times. It would be awesome. Encourage you to join us however you can for 21 days of prayer. Peter moves on. Prayer is the foundation. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, so we're going to have to have an emphasis on prayer. Then he shifts into what that prayer, what that foundation should lead to. Look at verse 8 again. He says, above all. Above all. How many recognize that sounds important? That sounds like it might be like a pretty high priority on the list if it's above all. Like this is the main thing. Peter says, above all. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of chins. I mean sins. Keep loving one another, right? So we're running out of tomorrows. Pray like it. We're running out of tomorrows. Love like it. Love like it. Love like you're running out of time. And remember, the audience, this is a growing church, but a suffering, persecuted church that he wants to encourage And listen, some of you are here this morning, and and, and I know you're growing. I see you growing. But if you're honest, you say, Pastor, I might be growing, but like, I'm hurting. I'm going through some stuff. And it might be stuff in your past. It might be stuff in your present, in your circumstances, or, or physically in your body, or financially, or relationally in your household, or your job, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but you're like, man, I might be growing, but I'm hurting. Peter's encouraging us. Man, and maybe your, maybe your pain is because of your growth. You know, he talked about how like some people aren't going to like the new you very much. Some of you, you've started growing, and it's causing some friction in some areas of your life. But whatever it might be, how do we endure that pain without stunting our growth? How do we go through that without getting worse, right? How do we keep getting better even through suffering? How do we keep growing? How do we keep caring for one another? Well, again, it starts with that foundation of prayer. How many of you know it's easier um, to get along with somebody that you're praying for, right? It's easier to be kind to someone that you just prayed for. It's easier to forgive someone that you just prayed for. It's easier to serve someone that you just prayed for. I have never been in a prayer service and been like, man, I pray for my friend Blake, and I just pray for Blake, Lord, touch Blake, bless Blake, and then went out in the parking lot and punched Blake, Right? I'm never, that's, ne- that's never the order. Now, sometimes you might punch someone and then go pray, Lord, forgive me, you know, whatever. But in general, it's easier to like someone, love someone, serve someone, forgive someone that you're praying for. It's kind of a secret sauce of relationships. Peter says, look, you want to be able to get along with people, pray. Pray. Tell somebody, I have to pray to love you, right? i got to pray to love you. It, it, it takes work. It takes work. None none of you did that, but thank you. Appreciate the participation. All right, no trophies for you today. So we're going to have these uh, 21 days of prayer, and those are going to lead up to, I skipped this earlier, that's why I'm jumping backwards. That's going to lead up to August 29th is our Vision Sunday, and so that's a big day, and I want to hear from God. I I have my own ideas, but I want to hear from God in the next 21 days, and so invite you to be a part of that. Back to prayer, okay? Back to loving one another. Peter says, pray like there's no tomorrow. Love like there's no tomorrow. And he uses this term, love one another earnestly. 
Now, how many of you don't use earnestly in your everyday language? I haven't said earnest since I was a kid, and I watched Slam Dunk Earnest and Earnest Goes to Camp and all the Earnest movies, right? I don't use that word a lot. So I was, when I see a word in the Bible I don't know very well, I'm like, I want to learn about that. I want to know what that means. It's interesting to me, um, especially with what's going on. How many of y'all are watching the Olympics? Anybody watching the Olympics right now? Been watching the Olympics? I love the Olympics. It's awesome. Um, talking to a friend last week, he's like, man, I ain't been getting a lot of sleep. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, the Olympics. But staying up late, trying to watch all these crazy Eastern time things, you know, whatever. And so um, I love the Olympics because I get to pretend that I understand sports that I don't know anything about. And the word earnestly is actually an athletic word. It's, it, it refers to an athlete. And so, like, I, you know, during the year, I watch normal sports, you know, I watch football. I watch basketball, like these, those are my sports. But during the Olympics, I find myself watching stuff like yesterday or the day before, we were watching the artistic swim competition. Anybody see these girls? This is absolutely crazy. They are in the water, deep water, four minutes, right, which by itself is an accomplishment. If you were just like, Pastor TJ, go tread water for four minutes, I would have to train for that, right? I had to get ready, and I probably still wouldn't meddle in that. But, but they're in the water, and they do this like, it's like combination dance, gymnastics, swimming. They're throwing each other in the air and doing flips and doing crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I'm watching it critiquing. I'm like, oh, she was late right there. That's going to be a point off. I think this team won. And Brooke's like, you don't know. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know. And then when I get it right, I act like I'm, you know, like I'm an Olympic judge and like I'm smart. And so we watched the, we watched the girls. And then we watched, uh, anybody see the, the equestrian team jumping? The horses jump over the hurdle. Anybody, anybody see the horses, right? Which I don't even know how that's an Olympic. Like, it's the horse. Like, I don't know. People get the medals. The horses do the work. But it's pretty, it sounds like my kind of sport, really. Um, but we see these horses, right? And they jump over these obstacles. And some of them, it's like, there's no way they're going to clear that. And they have this ability to just stretch their legs and just clear these things. And the word earnestly in the New Testament is an athletic term that means to stretch, to, to, to maximize, to go all the way. This is what it means. And Peter says, love one another earnestly. Stretch yourself when it comes to loving one another. Go for it. Give it your best shot. Go further than is comfortable. Like, go for gold. Go for the platform. Stretch yourself in loving one another. Elsewhere, the Bible says this. It says, outdo one another. Some of y'all are competitive. This is your verse. Outdo one another in showing honor. Right? This is something that is not a call to preachers, not a call to deacons, not a call to worship team people or whatever. This is a call to Christians. It's not a spectator sport. It's not a gift that some people have and you don't have, and so you don't have to worry about it. This is a call to the church. Love one another earnestly. Outdo one another in showing honor. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to look around the room. Look at some people. It's awkward. Go for it. Look at them. This is your chance. Who was that singing behind you? You can find out right now, all right? Here's what I want you to do. And some of you are new. Use your imagination. Think of someone else you know, okay? But if this is your church family, don't point them out. But I want you to look around. I want you to think in this room. Who is there that's really good at loving people? Think about it. Is there anybody in this room that you're like, man, they're just a joy to be around? Or, man, they're so hospitable. You know, they open their home. They, they brought me food or whatever. Like, who is it in this room that you know is so generous with their time or, or whatever that's just good at loving people? Okay, now here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to beat them at it, okay? I want you to be better than them. I want you to, to outdo them in showing honor and encouraging people and loving people. And some of you are like, but pastor, I barely like people. That's what 21 days of prayer is for. We are working on you, okay? We are working at it. It's not natural to all of us. But the fact is the world needs us to not just love them and not just post a Bible verse once in a while, but to show them what Christian community looks like by the way that we love one another, that's actually the best way to invite people in. You might think that the best way to invite people in is to love them, and it's important, but Jesus said, the world is gonna know you're my disciples, not by the way you love them, but by the way you love one another. Some people try to go outside of church, they get burned by church, and so they go out and they just try to be a good person and love people and show people Jesus' love, And, and I understand where they're coming from, But listen, if you're not connected back to his body, back to his church, people might think you're a really good person and be drawn to you, but God wanted them to be drawn to the expression of his body, the local church. God wanted them to be a part of a community, not just think you're a nice guy. And y'all are here, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir, all right? But we are to outdo one another, stretch ourselves, love each other. And Peter says that love is going to cover a multitude of sins. You can get past a lot of dumb choices that you make or other people make when you also make the choice to pray for them and to stretch yourself even to a point of being uncomfortable when it comes to loving them. Tell your neighbor, it's a stretch to love you. We'll start a marriage series soon, okay? We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. Verse 9 says this. Show, what's that word? Hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, if we look at the original word here, not to bore you, but that word hospitality, translated hospitality, is actually care for or love for strangers or outsiders, okay? And it's the same word, you could probably figure this out, what does that word hospitality look like? It's the same word that we use to get the word hospital, right? The church is a hospital for hurting people. Now some of us have been here a little longer than you, right? So we've gotten kind of patched up a little bit and you might still need immediate attention and immediate care, right, when you come in. But the church is a hospital. And while we love the world, I mean, God loved the world, Jesus loved the world, our priority, Peter says, above all, love one another. That's attractive and inviting. And here's what's awesome. When the the world sees us love each other well, they go, man, I want to be a part of that. And they show up. And you know what we do? Now they're in. And we love them like they've been here the whole time. We don't go, "Uh, excuse me, this hospital is full. You know, know, we open our arms and we stretch ourselves, and we have to because we're getting bigger. We stretch ourselves even further to be able to love more people. And I love that he says, without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Can you imagine somebody showing hospitality to you with grumbling? Welcome to our house. We made some cookies or whatever. (laughs) Make yourself comfortable. When are they leaving? You know, like, that is not the type of hospitality we're looking for. Hospitality is not just an action, it's an attitude. And if there's an area that I'm, I'm proud of, man, Bluff First is hospitable. I know that. I see that. You guys are hospitable. But listen, it's, it's only going to get harder. And so you have to stretch yourself even more. 
And you can invite people over and host a small group and complain about it the whole time and be ready for it to be over. And listen, I understand some of us are more naturally, some of you are like, I can't wait to fill my house with people. And some of you are like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard, right? I understand that we're different and we have different gifts. And if you're the person who thinks it's the worst thing ever, you probably shouldn't be the small group host. But you've got to stretch yourself to whatever level you're at and make room. So like some people are going to open their whole house and you might be like, okay, one person, I'll go to Starbucks with you. That's okay. Make room in your life. Make room in your calendar. Make room to, to be hospitable, loving people, not just for you, but for them and for the Lord. That's what the world needs to see. And so this morning we have a lot of people. How many of y'all are on the hospitality team at Bluff First? Okay, now the rest of you raise your hand because everyone's on the hospitality team, okay? You might actually be on the team, but everybody is a part of making people feel welcome. I tease my wife and call her the queen of hospitality, right? Uh, my friend Sean calls her the hostess with the mostest. Um, but, but she was reading a book this week on hospitality because she needs to get better at it apparently, you know, whatever. And um, like I'm reading a book on how to get taller or something, you know, whatever. But she, <laughs> she was reading a book on hospitality and uh, it's a guy, a uh, restaurant owner, and he's, he talked about how at birth, a new baby is pretty much immediately given these four expressions of hospitality. A baby that's born is immediately given eye contact, a smile, an embrace, right? A hug, whatever. And then my favorite, food, right? And he talked about how from that moment on, that child, that human being is going to crave those four things the rest of its life. How many of y'all still craving food? Right? It's almost noon. You're hungry right now. right? And so listen, hospitality is not all that complicated. You can just do those four things. Smile. Everybody smile at me. You look so good when you smile. Smile. Talk to people. Embrace them appropriately. You know, maybe not like bear hug the first time you meet somebody, but like feel it out. Appropriate affection. Smile at somebody. Give them some eye contact. Give them some food in Jesus' name, right? Like feed people, invite people over, share your Doritos, you know, whatever. Tough crowd today, okay. <laughs> this is the birthmark of Christian love. You know, my daughter, was, when she was born, she had a birthmark on her arm. You and I, if we were Christians, we have been born again. We've experienced a new birth. Jesus says the birthmark is love. They're gonna tell your mind the mark on your life is love and hospitality for one another. And then finally, as Pastor Nate joins me, finally, he says, as each has received a gift, verse 10, how many have received a gift? How many? Each. That's everybody. That's you. Everybody has received a gift. So use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How many are grateful that there's, God has various graces and that I'm not your worship leader? Amen. I mean, I might try to lead, but I'm not, I'm not singing. I don't, I'm not, I, my microphone is off until it's time for me to talk. I'm not, uh, I'm not I'm, that's not my gift, right? Similarly, I would be the worst safety team person of all time. I'm the most easily distracted person. If you were like, keep watch, I'd be like, yeah, I got it. And you know, immediately I'd be in a conversation and would not even notice anything going on around me. And so God gives us different gifts, and that's okay, right? He gives us different gifts. The point is we are to steward them. 
Verse 11 says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies in order that in everything, here's the point, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You have a gift that's different than mine. You have a gift that's probably better than mine, honestly. You have a gift. And it's not to tuck it away and to put it in your pocket and show up and just watch a few people use their gifts on Sunday. Your gift has been given to you for a reason, for a purpose. And you need to use it in the workplace. You need to use it in your family. You need to use it at school. And you need to use it at church. And so Peter would say to us, we're running out of tomorrows. Pray like it, love like it, serve like it. Serve like you're running out of tomorrows. Man, I tell you what, if I knew I had a couple of days left, I don't think I'd be like, ooh, I want to get a massage, I want to get a pedicure, I want to get like spray tan. I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> but I wouldn't be trying to serve myself. I'd be thinking, man, who do I want to encourage? Who do I want to say final words to? What do I want to give away? Who do I want to love well in these final days? Peter says that's the way that we approach the church. That's the way that we come together. We, we serve like we're running out of time. I like to say it this way. We should serve people as if we were serving Jesus himself because we are. And then the quality of service that we give them ought to be as if Jesus himself were serving them. Like serve like Jesus. Serve people like they're Jesus and let them feel served like, like you're Jesus. And if listen, I want you to serve that and, and serve in all areas of your life. If you feel compelled to step up here at Bluff First and start using your gift, uh, we have a, a method for that. We have a three-week class that you can go to called the Growth Track, and you can find out what your gift is and where you can fit and where you can serve here at Bluff First. You can sign up for that at blufffirst.com slash info. We're on a clipboard in the back. We want to help you serve. We just had 16 brand-new Dream Teamers show up and start serving, so I praise God for that. But why do we serve? Peter says because it glorifies God which implies that when we don't serve, when we don't love, when we don't pray, when we aren't hospitable, God doesn't get the glory he deserves. How many know this morning he deserves it? He's worthy. He deserves our highest praise. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the attention. I want to make him famous. I want people in Poplar Bluff to be like, there's something going on with the people at Bluff First. Look at the way they love each other. Look at the way they're hospitable. Look at the way they pray. I want to grow into that. And listen, I can't think of a better example. I know I've gone over my time. I can't think of a better example of earnest, stretched love than the love of Jesus Christ who literally stretched himself out on a cross for you, who literally went the extra mile, who literally pushed his body beyond its limits to show you his love. When you experience that, you can love people. You can stretch your love for them. And some of you, man, you've longed to be a part of a Christian community. Like you, Maybe you've even been going to church here a long time, but you would say, Pastor, I don't really have close Christian friends that pray for me, that encourage me, that welcome me. I haven't really found that community. Let me just encourage you like your mama told you in kindergarten, okay? If you want to have friends, you got to be a friend, okay? And if you want to have Christian community and have that type of environment and encouragement, you've got to make those investments yourself, you have to first come to that outstretched cross 
and find your worth and your love and your value in him. But then you stretch yourself and you pray and you invite people and you realize the the 15, 20, 30 minutes before church, after church, that's church too. And you find time to give people eye contact and talk to people and get to know people. And you make room in your calendar and you find a way to get to know somebody and you open yourself up to people and you pour yourself out. And here's the good news. It is God who is pouring his love into you and he has a limitless supply. You're not gonna run out. You keep coming back to him. You're not going to stretch yourself or pour yourself out too far because he's going to replenish you and he's going to keep giving you the love that you need. Jesus, we love you. There's nobody like you. You deserve glory. You deserve praise. You deserve honor. You deserve a praying church, a loving church, a serving church that looks like you. Man, look at your life, Jesus, always getting away to pray always loving people, loving the least, always serving. Help us be more like you. Make us more like you. Jesus, we love you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.